25 years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Vampire the Requiem. Hi everybody, welcome to another 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade presents Requiem. And today I'm company as usual uh, by my compados here. Of course we got Brennan. Hey everyone. And DJ. Hey everyone, how you doing? I think uh, we all would like to take a moment real quick after that fast introduction. Folks, if you haven't got a chance to run over to flyos.com and uh, check out Werewolf Retaliation, they just announced their next uh, board game uh, that they're coming out with. And I really don't want to say it like that. It's not a board game. It makes it sound boring. We know it's not. Um, if you're familiar with Vampire Chapters, you know the quality that they lay down uh, that they have going out from their last Kickstarter, uh, from the stylish minis to the actual uh, storyboarding. Uh, relating to what they have. Um, in fact, because I know DJ and Brennan, like me, uh, you guys you know, definitely got the pre-order down. When you were checking out that game and had it going, um, what was one of the things that stuck out to you about Vampire Chapters that makes you know that World Retaliation is going to be just as hot? The story. Definitely it's the story that captured my attention, and it doesn't play out like a, a regular, easy-to-play type of story. It actually pays respect to its fans. By giving you something deep so it, it that's what caught my attention it's going to be something that when i bring to the table for my friends they'll be able to play it for the, the just the basic you know game aspect of it <laughs> but i'll be playing there going like this is awesome automated mini st thing happening so i'm very excited for that myself uh similar to dj what uh, caught me with chapters was the um was the narrative that they were that they were pushing with chapters right now obviously it's got like a bunch of different scenarios to go through but the same setting is is montreal which is now Camarilla City, right? That's not what it was if you read Montreal by Night, but that is one of the big mysteries that I saw pushed, or one of the plot elements, I guess, right, that intrigued me the most. That and the the art, the design of chapters, yeah. blew me away. Yeah, absolutely. That is Everything true. from the smallest details on the on the miniatures, and I'm not a miniature fan. I don't play D&D with, like, right. like wargaming, but, like, I saw those miniatures, and I'm like, hmm. Those look really good next to my Hellboy miniatures in the back. So I'm getting those. For me, one of the things that, that, that stuck out was the collector aspect with mm-hmm. the ST element. So I'll touch on it real quick. They released these these expansions that you can get throughout the Kickstarter, right? Like the Werewolf Mini that you could throw mm-hmm. in. You have the LaSombra yep. added, the Bono Akeem added. There's a ton of stuff that you can get added in to, to match that. And if you were me, you were drooling at the fact they included all that because it's backing up one thing they said. That one player can play through chapters, not have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. I.e., you can storytell uh, for yourself because the material is written for you to go through it and see what happens. Is there, I've heard this comment, I just want to address it. Is there going to be dice rolling where you have to read what happens? Um, folks, yeah. If Flyos <laughs> found a way to put an AI that had psychic power and that was your own ST and that's what you had, you think we'd be talking? Right? I got I got Flyos games to go play in, in, in weird you know, Marvel Mutant World or whatever it is. But I'm not going to say it doesn't have it just in case that helps you guys check it out. But uh, World of Retaliation is the same quality and they're they're ex- actually expanding on it. They're going through with it. I know the content, they're triple checking, they're making sure that everything is going to be what the fans want to be to hit home what Werewolf should be. Now, I'm also going to add this. I often said, in fact, I said it multiple times when I saw what they did with that Werewolf mini in chapters, I said, there needs to be a Werewolf game made like this. Mm-hmm. Why? What's the one thing missing from Werewolf that's the hardest thing to do? Shape-changing of the forms and people being able to see it. It helps you roleplay if that's like on a map. 
Like, if there's any role-playing game I think that benefits from having a battle map that, that World of Darkness ever contributed to... It'd be Werewolf. Absolutely. So now when you got that big bad coming through and, it, and then it's like a mini coming in, it doesn't have to be the size of a house, but if you could... Awesome. And then you have this werewolf pack going, how the hell are we going to tackle this? Well, you're not going to do it in Hamid, right? Let's let's go with that. You're not going to be in your human form to tackle it, but let's get a cool, stylish thing up there to see what it is. You have your abilities and rolling it out. I know for a fact, I don't care where you are on the fan scale, that's the new hotness. Go to Flash.com, check it out. Definitely see that retaliation and get it there. We'll include also the actual embedded link to check out the video here uh, when we do the launch for this so you can see it. We're definitely in the process of putting it on our website for 25 years, and it's going to be something that you're gonna, you're definitely going to want to dig into. Um, and as a surprise to add for you guys, um, I'm a content consultant for World of the Retaliation as well. Um, we've, uh, we've been tapped, or I've specifically been tapped for that, and I'm very, very proud to be a part of that team. Um, one of many. I'm in no way taking away from like, oh, Bob's not in it, blah, blah, blah. But what I am saying, I was proud that I was tapped to be there to help out in any way I can. And that's one of the ways I'm working with Flyos to get that done. Um, more more than seeing on the inside. There's a lot I can't say, is what I'll tell you, obviously. That's what, that's what being shackled to the boss does. Uh, but one of the other things big about it is if you know anything about these companies, when they work on projects like these, they tap all sources they can to get all quality they can to make sure that most of us our super demands of our fans are met. Also, Thomas Felipe, I'm telling you right now, is a super fan of, of like all things, right? And, and relating to Werewolf and Way to Vamp, he's a super fan. Mm-hmm. So he absolutely needs as many sources as possible to help him uh, make a right decision, uh, help the company make a right decision about what they want to include in the game. So I encourage you, if you go to the website, sign up for the Kickstarter. And you reach out there and see contact us, and you want to send in emails, you want to contact, there's many multiple media ways that Files has been available and still out there for you to contact them about all sorts. Throw in your ideas if you have them, stuff that you would like to see. If you've been that on the side werewolf fan that Justin has, hasn't got around, blah, 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 to say anything, become more vocal and making suggestions, right? Uh, positive, focus forward suggestions. And uh, we'll, I guarantee you they'll see them. They, those guys don't miss anything. So no, that's they did a, it for uh, uh, you know to to extrapolate on that they did it with chapters they they listened to the community and a lot of what they you know we put out there they they completely integrated in it so it's it's always fun to see when a company listens to their fans and uh, delivers on it so I'm excited for it. It's uh I'm excited uh, aside from that I just want to make sure that I know when I, when I'm gonna get my retaliation and uh, I know my chapters is coming I get that too we're gonna yeah. you know what we might do an actual playthrough. You know, reach out, talk to him, and just start recording that, going through to show that storytelling element. I think that'd be really good. I hope we do, and I also certainly hope that there's a Red Talons expansion for Retaliation like there was for Bano, <laughs> Hakeem, and La Sombra. So, Thomas, if you're listening, that's my personal request. Not that you probably even care, but I'm still throwing it out there. There's care. There's care, because who doesn't like it? All right. Enough of that. Today's about to Ordal Dracul, Right? Uh, now, for fans of Requiem, uh, there's been a ton, a ton of information talked about. Uh, and what I mean by talked about, we've been like Covenant sets and such, we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey guys, Night Society Covenant later. Invictus Covenant, blah, blah, blah. Bob thinks Carthians are Anarchs later. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right? We need to start dispelling some of that. So, remember, I put you two guys up at these experts just so we can get those. I feel more, I represent the old crowd. I've said that a lot. This is going to be no different. Uh, these reviews, we want to be more of discussion. So as we go through following you guys' lead on what you want to talk about, I'm obviously going to interject with the questions I feel uh, that need to be asked, because it's going to be 
and not even arrogantly, I know for a fact it's a lot of stuff I heard in the field. Most of it I've taken notes of. If I miss it, please key in and uh, and explain as needed. But don't act like everyone listening is an expert, please, I implore you. Especially <laughs> with this book. Reading through it, I know for a fact there's a lot of terminology that if I were Ordo Dracul and raised in a Dracula cult, I'd get it. But they, they just kind of, oh, and don't forget your signet ring when you do the handshake at the four-corner border, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? <laughs> All right, let me let me go grab that and come back to, are they aware I'm trying to learn this game? And I'm sifting through the book going, oh, they were aware. I just didn't. <sighs> okay, moving on, right? So, without further ado, um, there was an intro story. Yes. And I'm gonna and I'm gonna have DJ tackle this off the bat. I read that intro story, and there's a lot of terms said where it was like the dragon's alive, and the dragon became real, and the dragon's running through the streets, and it's breathing on people, and it's doing things. And I'm sitting here going, "All right, this is a metaphor. It's got to be a metaphor." But then there are parts where like, "No, it's actually the dragon." Is it the dragon is a metaphor? What do we help me out here? So it's interesting because it, it dumps you right into the middle of a story. You got to think of this like a John Woo movie where the first thing you walk into is a shootout. But in this case, what you're taking a look at is a vampire by the name of Edward Price is tailing something or someone. And he keeps talking about this dragon's tail. And like, it's it's like, well, what, what does this mean? In any way, shape or form. But he starts dropping clues and you start thinking to yourself like you're following a, a hard-boiled detective uh, looking after a particular type of crime scene. But it starts changing pace halfway through. It starts becoming very much kind of like... Um, a Victorian type of ordeal where you're kind of wandering through the streets, you go into these secret society clubs, you start talking to people, it might be in the John Wick universe where they're kind of waiting for you, and he, he meets up with a philosopher who you don't know their name outside of the fact that they're a philosopher inside of this building. And then it's, it's they John Wu, it would be just the philosopher, yeah. right? It would, would just be the philosopher. So then it would just be like, oh, okay, show up at this location and say X, Y, and Z, and then they're like, okay, let me go to this location. And um, it leads you through a story where this detective or this this vampire, Edward Price, starts meeting certain people. He finds out the only other person who might have interest in this dragon's tale or this particular story about this location called St. Anthony's, which is like a burnt out school, which is where he followed dragon's tale to, would be another Nosferatu. And who else than the best Nosferatu ever to exist in Requiem known as Scratch? Yes. And Scratch shows up. And come to find out, Scratch is a member of the Order of Dracula. No one knows exactly what it is that he's been up to. But it, it's so funny because he's so dismissive because in, in the beginning, Order of Dracula are that secret society. So there are ways to introduce yourself. And lo and behold, Scratch shows up and he introduces himself. He's like, oh, yeah, my title. Uh, something, something of terror, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> um, but it, it goes through the story, essentially, of what it's like to be part of the Order of Dracula and the many facets of it. They're going to go into this location, St. Anthony's, and they're going to be looking for this particular dragon's tail or ghost. At this point, we think it's a ghost. We think, you know, based on how it's being described. And uh, Scratch tells this guy, he's like, you uh, you got the sight? He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Mechid. I got the sight. He's like, all right, well, cool. I'm going to tell you something right off the bat. Don't use the sight on me. Mm -hmm. that, that's the <laughs> only thing I'm going to tell you. He's like, we're going to work this out. I'll get you what you want. I'll take you to that location. We're going gonna to talk to some dude at a shop I know, but you can never use the sight on me. Plus, it, it never works the way you think it is. So... It would do you right to second guess ever using it in the first place, but don't you ever use it on me. The guy's like, all right, no problem. Let's go ahead and do that. They they end up heading to a shop. They think it's an order owned when it's not. It's just a mortal. Goes to show the connections that they do have, especially within the occult. Get a recipe to summon a ghost. They head over to St. Anthony's. They do this entire ritual of setting 
gasoline around, uh, creating the fire. Scratch is like, don't worry about the fire. I got this. Hinting at the fact that he actually does or might not have control over his beast. Right. Gets the ritual going. Nothing happens. Guy's like, hey, man, prices, no, nothing's happening here. Scratch is like, give it a moment. It takes time. Trust me, I know these things. <laughs> and uh, Price does the Price does exactly what they tell you not to do in movie theater. This reminds me Tales of the Dark Side when they're like, promise not to say anything. It was written beautifully. I thought the same thing. And that quote, hey, you want to see something really scary? The answer is no. always no. Right? If you've no. seen that movie, you never want to see something really scary. And he, it's so good. It's a good story, right? And I would and I would write there. I'll, I'll pause you, or I'll pause. You, I'll stop you there, just because it's worth reading, right? Obviously, the yes. entire book is worth reading. But some things I want to go over real quick that DJ talked about at a high level, because Brentron, no doubt, is going to dig into it. And uh, the the simple fact is, the Order Dracul is highly secretive. It's organized. It does not misconception about House and Clan Tremere. We're just going to point this out. In Vampire, they're, they they're like an open book that everybody knows. They're the secret mm-hmm. that everybody knows. Somehow everybody mm-hmm. knows about the internal workings of Clan Tremere because there's enough enough of us who played Tremere bragged about how organized our clan is versus everything else. Right. This is simply not done in a secret society. And in Requiem, the Ordo Dracul, not only represent that, you're never, like you said, you never knew Scratch was because that's how it's done. Exactly. You're not supposed to know. Right? Exactly. That's the point because it's highlighting a theme here that they wanted to hammer home and they go into this quite a bit. They say the theme in Order Drag Cool that they wanted to hit home is discovery. The Order's goals are focused on learned pursuit into the occult, period. That's one of the pieces of it that they wanted to hit. However, we know that. That's where someone's going to go, oh, they're Tremere. Eh, let me help you out, Naysayer. Mm. Um, uh, their Tremere is a bit, not, it doesn't even touch the water they're trying to grasp. What they're saying, if you're a secret society, you meet in high ritual, of course. But we're not talking rituals where you're gaining magical power. Of course, you could be referring to that. We are curious about that in the Order of Dracul, but we're, mostly we're talking about the purpose of what an actual ritual is, is to build a bond, right? In this case, not just brotherhood, also secrecy. Loyalty meets secrecy. Brotherhood and sisterhood, I should say. Um, it's just a, sorry, fraternity in me. But the point is, is the tighter those bonds are, the more you hold to the secret, the more we don't have to worry about you because you understand how serious it is because you've been through the process. And this is what it's getting at. So if you think reading this book, there's some arduous steps to go through and you're thinking to yourself, oh, that's just not necessary. Why do I got to go through this? So it's not House and Clan Tremere, right? You don't want everyone to tell on the mountain. Those who put forth the effort, those who maintain secrecy, those who respect the rituals, understand the laws of the of the organization here will understand no one outside of us should know of us mm-hmm. other than that we exist now part two to that secondary theme before we jump on that because then i'm gonna open the board here um it talks about they're scientists they're skeptics i should say this is highly unusual typically when you have an occult-based society they're not skeptics to what they pursue They're skeptics, according to the legends and the stories they hear, that actually exist out there. But when they encounter it, it's real. What am I referring to? Um, I can't tell you how many times I'm a Tremere and someone finds uh, evidence of the Infernal and they turn around and go, I understand demons. We got this book on the shelf, I know it all. We're good. A normal drag cool would go, you're a demon, huh? Yeah, what makes you a demon? Oh, well, I'm this entity that, you know, I I don't know. I've always been a demon. Suddenly a demon feels very defensive. 
What do you mean, why am I? Don't you see my horns? Then they start asking the clarifying questions like, are you a Christian demon, like Legion out the Bible, or are you like the Greek <laughs> demon, so you're just like a spirit of the air? Like, I'm just, I'm taking notes. I need to know where to shelve you in our library. Like, no, I'm a, wait, what do you mean shelf me? And then that's when they get shoved in the jar. Right. <laughs> we shove you in a jar to pull you out later because someone's going to slowly, another group is going to slowly dissect you to figure out mm-hmm. if what you are, first off, to know exactly what you are. At some century, we'll figure it out. Also, how do we cultivate that power for our pursuit? They do have an agenda. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the important thing. All things to this agenda. And when everybody's on board to fulfill something, that's, all, that, that's when mankind's at its most dangerous. You know, groups of people, brilliant minds focused to a goal. So you have skeptical uh, occult pursuers who might as well be, you know, the erudite super occult league is, is, is the way it's presented. But the horror aspect is there too, right? It's not just to that effect. They talk about a duality amongst the Order of Dracul. That's the mood they want to hit. And in that duality, there are two elements that they mention. I'm going to let you guys take a stab here because I have a tendency to go get away with it. Uh, here in the mood, they talk about um, monstrous kindred bloodlines lost to time, legacies that become legendary whispers in the halls of the kindred. These are the things they pursue. And the Dracul would demand to know them all. Why? What, what is the mood you feel they're trying to go for when, when we're that endless pursuit to get all knowledge? What's the point of it? I think the pursuit of knowledge to them, knowledge represents like a, um, it's a state of enlightenment, right? I think that harkens back to like the old, like, uh, uh, alchemist pursuit of like the philosopher's stone being a metaphor for like reaching uh, an enlightened stage, right? It's, it's honestly like just a different way to frame the narrative of like, you know, Buddha reaching his enlightenment or Lao Tzu reaching his. It's always a search for a different state of being. Why I would tap that on a different perspective is because I think that's where they'd get upset. Because a skeptic isn't going to care what Buddha thinks, what legendary enlightenment he hit. Because the Ordo, I feel, is written to where it's not just about one person getting there. If, if, if you're Buddha and you obtained enlightenment, then there should be a clear, written, defined way that he got there. And only another member of the Ordo is ever going to get to read it to follow in those steps. But if they do it, they will get there. Mm-hmm. It's proven success, right, is what, they're, yes. what they want. It's, and I th- that's true. Absolutely, it's true. It's like a melding of the two, right? Because we, we, we started this conversation about, like, you know, describing them as skeptics, as scientists. They, this is not, like, religious spiritualist approach. This is stuff that's observed, written down, tested repeatedly, and then notated and usually shared or published with other members of the Ordo. And it's that weird combination that only exists because they're vampires, right? It's like, imagine <laughs> Einstein got embraced as a ventrue. And he's like, wait a minute, right? Einstein would make a great and terrifying Ordo. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's also something to add as well, because when you take a look at it, you know, what we just described is a very romanticized version of it, which Mm -hmm. is enlightenment is everything. But the opposite of it, especially when it speaks about a Jekyll Hyde type of situation, right? Or even taking a look at the cover of this book, it's not quite Dracula because you could definitely take a look at, you know, his, his furnishings and what he's wearing. His wardrobe speaks to something more modern. But what it does do is it hits on tropes that humans are afraid to touch. And then on top of that, it's the fact that there's a certain reason why ignorance is bliss and why knowledge is very costly. Because the further down the line you go in pursuit of that knowledge, the further removed you are from where you started. It almost reminds me of like the movie The Ninth Gate, right? Johnny Depp's like, I have this book. Why do I have this book? And then he'll 
you know, it cost me so much to hold on to this book. It cost me so much to just continuously go down this travel. I'm, I'm at the point of no return that I will stop at nothing to reach that enlightenment. And I think that's where the horror aspect comes from playing an order of drag cool. And that's what gets me excited to play them because do you want to open that door? If so, what's it going to cost you? And I think it's something that doesn't get touched upon too much, especially with the Tremere, you know, because once again, it, it, it de- I wouldn't say it devalues it, but it just makes it so mundane to go like, I know what it's like to deal with magic. But in here, there's the cost of magic that's very forefront, right? The cost mm-hmm. of the unknown and, and learning what comes from that. I think you finally nailed in the head where I was trying to make that sound because it sounded a lot better coming from you, uh, is the fact that there's one thing to say to play a character and in your history, you already know magic. And your role plays like, I already know. That player doesn't know. You don't know. You have no idea. The ST didn't take you through years of esoterica to understand what you're playing. You didn't sit down and agree on the material you're going to master and know. However, you do know the rules in the book. You do know the thaumaturgy, and that should be all that you have. But in a perfect world, the, the ST would have to feed you all this information as you go along. The difference here in Ordo Dracul, it says you're going to have to roleplay through going through this arduous journey of learning every bit of information you get outside yes. of the typical, typical vampiric world. That is what I enjoy about it. Because um, the aspect here, if you're a fan, you mentioned Jekyll and Hyde, we know that tale. We're going to touch on Frankenstein. Dr. Frankenstein was a prodigy in his field. So much so, he dared to challenge his religious beliefs. God itself the actual end of death mm-hmm. is what he was looking to conquer, is to reverse it, to, to remove past it, if you will. And when he discovers it, he creates Frankenstein's monster. That's what he does, and he knows how to mimic it, which is why it's important. And then, you know, obviously it, gets, it, it dives into the morality hit that that represents. That is all. Frankenstein's monster, Dr. Frankenstein, the challenging of the natural order of things as God sees it, moving past that, if it's possible. I feel all of that. Is the Ordo Jack cool? Yes, yeah. you're going to be monstrous. Of course, your morality is going to be brought into question because who dares defy the actual order of life? Well, you do. If you had a chance, and this is just a general question to anybody listening, but since I have you both here, if you have a chance to discover how God has life happen and death happen, would you not see a peek behind the mirror to know how to avoid both or to have one happen? A- absolutely. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and that is all what the Ordo are about. They're not just about, like, peaking. They're about taking it and twisting it to become something else. You made that, uh, you, you stated, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here a little bit, Dr. Frankenstein sought to, uh, like, twist or defy the laws of God. The Ordo Dracul, the Order of Dragons, people outside another covenants that know of them call them the dragons, right? Ordo don't call themselves dragons. They call themselves the Defiant. And that's for a reason, because they defy god himself in the 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 founding mythology of the ordo vlad tepes was not embraced right there was no one that drained his blood and then gave them his in his in his mythology in his creation story he was cursed by god himself god brought him up and said repent and i will allow you into the kingdom of heaven and he said no you've allowed my people to be slaughtered you've allowed my people to be attacked and I will not. And because of that, he was thrust back down to earth in his curse. And when he did that, he existed for centuries as he was, but he would not be confined to what he was. And that's the roots of the Ordo Dracul. That is everything about this covenant. It's why this is my favorite covenant out of the entire series, 
and why I believe it's the hardest one to play through. Well, definitely. I'm glad I let you get all that out. I wanted to interrupt you so many times because, Mm -hmm. remember I told you, basic people. Some of us are hearing this for the first time. And we want to bring them along into that because we just said we built that scientific pursuit and proving what you know. How the hell did they prove Dracula was real? Right? And that's what that's what the door opens up to, but I don't want to because that's like jumping in the middle, what you mm-hmm. just did, and we missed so much. So let's establish how a player is going to... How does a player land the ritualistic, I belong to a secret society thing, right? In the first few pages of this book, they hit you with a weird coded combo. And if you, could, if you can kind of jump into this, DJ, what are they talking about this combo of... Why, why do I have to have such a complex name? What is this about? The complex names and the, well, the sobriquets that are given, your titles, are essentially there to let other members know who and or what you are along the way. Why? Because, especially in any type of secret society or any type of hierarchy, there has to be a pecking order. And for them to be able to do so, you mentioned it before, Bob, the reason why you're able to keep a certain secrecy is because people are invested in the secrecy itself, right? So you have to be invested into it. Where are you on the ladder? Good. So I know what my pecking order is. Mm -hmm. And then it also gives them an idea of what it is that your study and focus is upon. But there's also double talk in there because in that same way that you're given those titles, those titles could also be misconstrued. They could be misrepresented. They could even mean something as far as the person who gave me this title really wants me to speak to you so that Bob can make sure that I die because Mm -hmm. I betrayed the order at one point or another. I'm meant to die. I'm not supposed to stay here long. So these titles are essentially, once again, for fluffy things, and especially if you're taking a look at someone else from a different covenant going like, why do you call yourself this? And it, it doesn't concern you. Dr. Bob, as we were saying, I am a supplicant of terror, et cetera, et cetera. And, right. and that's where it comes into play. There's three specific things that make up these titles. But uh, for, for fun, and, and maybe just to highlight, because I know for a fact when I read this for the first time years ago, I was blown away by this because it was like, this is too complex. We're not even five mm-hmm. pages in. I'm already like wanting to put this book down. You know, yeah. like sleeping through it. What are, what are some of these titles? Like, what's the makeup? Like, look at this from the mechanic they have impl- implemented in. Uh, so some of the titles are the domains that you belong to, right? So one, not having any type of uh, like education at all or, or uh, practicing it, you'd be a slave. But the moment that you start learning these coils, and especially the, the, the special discipline, or you can't even call it a discipline, but a mastery of sorts, you start going up, it would be a supplicant, scribe, scholar, etc., but then we take a look at the domains, right? So one of them would be if you understand how to manipulate the blood and control that, you would be in the domain of hunger. That of the banes, fire, anything that God, of course, had put upon you, it would be of the curse. The beast of the terror, the flesh of the pain, the soul of the void. And if you are one of the few members... Who just just real quick, so, so this is the domain then. That's what you're referring to, yes. of, like, of the hunger, of the curse, of the terror. Correct. These are domain names, and they represent... Mm-hmm. That special power of the dragon coils that they referred to. Or, in another way, these are the discoveries that the Ordo knows works. Right? Special rituals that, they've, that they have that are always active. We'll get more to that later. But they, but they basically allude to what they have mastery of. Is that accurate? That would be correct. Okay. So, in this case, just to give the example, just the basic one, they talk about mastery of the blood or coil of the blood. And added to my title would be the domain of hunger so i would be bob of hunger and you would know that my one of my specialties is the blood mm-hmm. right or like the bob bob is Khan, the scribe of uh of the curse right something like that and then as you learn more you would add stuff to this such if if bob is Khan learned more than one coil he would be like uh of the bloody hunger representing that he's uh 
like learn some of the bane coil and the blood coil and it gets more complicated because mm-hmm. this is all what you're pointing out here that you jump past remember i said mm-hmm. uh, return that kiss method is that you mentioned rank i didn't get to rank on purpose and that's because mm-hmm. you mentioned that it was uh and then i think you said scribe right is what you threw at me so yes. if it's babas khan scribe is a, den- a, den- a denotes rank how advanced i am in what's going on that rank goes from like a one to nine scale you know, subscribe is fairly early on, but architect would be the the absolute you know apex at the end of that. So my first, there's a title based on rank. Then there's the domain, which we already went over. But then this rolls into something else, right? We got the uh, standard title that goes with it, and that's the part that really I want to hammer home that this all gets pieced together that means something, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm just saying, that's that, that's what you're pointing out. I'm only doing that because there are honor titles that get added to this. There's other things that get thrown in. And the mechanics are there, folks. So when someone's talking about it, uh, there's also, there's also, there's a level of cipher they throw in, not to be pedantic, not to bog you down, but there's a necessity of repetitiveness, of secrecy that needs to be established so you feel, as the player, you belong to a secret society. Does that right. make sense? Yes, it, it does, because this Agreed. is, I think DJ and yourself hammered into this, this the, the this covenant really harkens back to like a Victorian era in a way in that it, it really goes into the secret society motif, right, of the Freemasons, you know, your odd fellows, all of that. So they take these, these titles, like if you, uh, if I were talking with someone and you like came into my conversation and I was like, how are you doing? Uh, right, worshipful junior grand warden DJ, right? You'd be like, what is he talking about? It, it means you don't need to know what I'm talking about if you don't already know, right? But they hammer that in such that this like cipher talk has like three different layers to it to really guard their secrets and all their experiments that they've spent literally century, centuries accumulating. And it's and that's it. I mean, I think that uh, the points hit home and I, and I love that, uh, that addition there. Uh, to, to just kind of add, hey, stupid, <laughs> you know, if you don't already know, you basically in three seconds of us introducing one another, we should know exactly who we're talking to right. and what rank the other one is. Mm-hmm. And, and that's done so that if you're in mixed company, it should be just as baffling. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's that's the other thing. I like that because one of the key things of being in a secret order is that I may be higher than you. And there's stuff that I can't talk about with you because you don't hit the rank. You're not meant to know. You're not there yet. Or it's in a different direction. And there are factions in any secret society. This is the same thing. However, we're all united against external forces. If they're not Ordo Dracul, we should turn on them, right? And that's where, or at least be guarded against them. And that's where, and that's where it is, right? Ordo against the world at that aspect, uh, but internally, dragon versus dragon or defiant. I like that term, versus defiant. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of how it goes. And maybe not against, but pursuits different. We'll just leave it at that. But then. You did something, Brentron. I couldn't wait for this. We get to Dracula, right? And that's fine. But this this book had me... I sat here at odds and offense. You want me to believe that nothing is not explained to the, to the Defiant. That the Order of the Dragon pursues all knowledge of the occult to understand and, and like, devours it for its nutrients into what it could use it for and discards the Ophel. And that's this, def- this crazed... You know, super prove it or it's not real group. And then we get to Dracula. And I sit back and go, yeah, Vlad Tepes was real. Explain to me how this warlord did what he did. 
and curse you, you believe he was cursed by that this is what you're going with we're back to funny talking sticks well then that means that well christ must be real you got to sign up for that and it also means that muhammad wasn't wrong and uh how can but how can all sides all religion and all sides be correct as long as they're people of the book what's going on here and I think that's what's interesting regarding that because it, it, it takes you back as well to the, the Lankea, right? Where we know that Longinus was not the first vampire. But what we do know from their perspective and what makes their faith strong is to believe that God cursed Longinus and thus forth he became a vampire. And so it goes back to the creation myth of like where the vampires come from. If you can't prove it, then, then what are they? And that's something that the Order will discuss all the time. If no one knows who created Dracula and he's claiming that God did it, was he the only one of his kind? Is he the founder of his new clan? What is it then to be cursed by God? What does our existence mean in general? And that causes a paradox, right? Because this is this is something they'll speak about later on uh, regarding why you must accept God as part of the equation scientifically. Because if you're following the great work, in order for us to follow the great work, which is continue to do scientific method to be better than what we are, to ascend to a certain degree then we have to accept this mythological creation story that if God exists and placed a curse on Dracula and, God, and Dracula was trying to defy the curse, and if we are defying the curse, then we have to accept that this is part of the narrative. All right. Doesn't mean everyone has to believe it, but that's that's the core of what we're taking a look at here, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. And, and strangely here, I, I get that I get that relevance because they point out that the youth in the Order of Dracula quickly want to go discover Dracula. They want to debunk <laughs> the story. <laughs> Yeah. Right is yeah. what they want to do. They quickly want to rip it apart and get into it and figure it out. But then they're lost in the loop. Why? Well, every cult wants to be a religion. In order for you to begin to beget and become a religion, you have to have an undebunkable story of origin. Why? So people can have faith. That's the point. Right, wrong, or indifferent, anyone of any religion has to say, yes, there is a gray area where I have to sit here and say, my faith is my belief. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. That's what gives me strength. And, and that's, that's what it talks about. Now, to non-believers and atheists, because I battle them too, and because uh, to me, atheist is another religion of the self, right? Is I believe what I know, I could touch, taste of what's real. And if I don't see it with my own two eyes, it's blah, 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 blah. Yeah, when have you seen cancer? Right? That's what I always bring up. Like, what do you mean? Science has proven cancer exists. Yeah, but have you seen it? What do you mean? If you haven't seen it, how do you know it's real? Shouldn't you have to become a scientist then to be an atheist? Well, no. I mean, I'll trust a scientist thought. In other words, you're just susceptible to bullshit as anybody else. So therefore, when you look at religion and someone tells you they have belief in God, you're going to turn around and say, well, until God smites me on the ass, I don't have to believe in it. Yet when I turn around and tell you, death will come for you too. You get my point? Where it's like, well, you're going to ask him soon enough, same when everybody else gets to. If it's a he, if it's not an it, or the spaghetti monster. In other words, none of us know. But this is where belief is for everyone, right? What do you choose to believe is the point. And Order Dracul knows that on an insidious level is why I took it. I love that term because I find them just as corrupt as the Lankaya Sanctum was. Right? Oh, Lankaya Sanctum has a religion, but the Order Dracul says, oh, no, no, no. What you believe, touch, and taste, prove it works for everyone, blah, blah, blah. No, it's in the pursuit of power for itself. Make no mistake. It's an order designed for them to circumvent the very uh, things that hold back a vampire from absolute power. Yeah, right. Exactly, right. That that cur- that hunger that they're all like a slave to that they have to assuage every night. That sun, that giant 
ball of fire in the sky that forces them to sleep every day. It's those things that they seek to, like, conquer. And as we will see when we actually get to the coils, they, they, they reach success, right? This is not all just talk. This isn't, like, something that we're, we're like, blowing smoke. But to, but to throw it down, like, we, need, we got that history uh, for Dracula, and we know that's a focus, right? In other words, the dogma is to pursue Dracula's myths and legends, for you to understand what it is to pursue myths and legends. And I feel that common one is selected because maybe they do believe it. And it's in there because we get into something. Well, let's, let's define why Dracula is such an interesting figure to choose. It was cursed by God, but it's really empowered by the devil. Raised the son of the devil to so many. Like he had it in him, a darkness to do what he did in the first place, which is what put him on the map according to others. Yet, Vlad Tepes did what he did for love of his country. He did what he did because terror tactics exist in war. If I am the few and you're coming to my land as the many and we are outnumbered 10 to 1, 20 to 1, 100 to 1 in terms of soldiers, we are going to die in the name of God because that's who we believe in. But God's not on that field today. When you come to face me and can't be. And I have to do something that makes you stop wanting to go past me. I'm the buck. You don't want to go past me to go to my people because look what I'm willing to do to you. And the hope is you believe everyone in this nation is willing to stand up and do it. And in the case of Vlad Tepes, I got to tell you, his nation was. They're willing. They tried. They were war-torn, uh, you know, historically messed with left and right. They were in the middle of being conquested, some successfully for a time. Princes being captured. There's a whole dramatically filled story of takeover, conquest, you know, and rescue that get involved in there. That naturally, hearing a story about Dracula ascending and him being the son of the devil, son of the dragon, and stepping forth was going to come from this, right? And, and history shows that, right? That there's something to that. Um, the Impaler. We all know that story. We need to get into it. But when you hear it, if you haven't seen artwork of what it would look like to impale people so much that there would be a forest of of blood dripping down large poles of people impaled 13 feet above you and walking through it to feel nice warm droplets if it's done fresh enough to hear the anguished cries of people who haven't died yet Mm -hmm. who've been impaled that are slowly falling as their strength wanes and sliding down as gravity pulls them lower and lower until they eventually stop to hear the tired soldiers who have to put you up there or how they have to stomach having to shove this impalement through you and to make this happen, and to have one ruler whose stomach is ironclad. So much so that he would eat breakfast in front of this forest of impale, impaled individuals? I mean, that's that's terrifying. That's going to put you in history's memory. That's how that goes. And, and no one's going to like you. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're more than fear. That's terror mm-hmm. incarnate, right? What I'm willing to do is what comes to mind. Well, who do you think he's sitting at dinner with? You would think this is something out of hell. This is a Dante Alighieri story, if you ever heard it. And that's, a, that's, that's one of the things that make it so wow, right? Because of that, it's easy to see how they're going to say, oh, God cursed them. Somewhere on this line, you got to pay for that. And no, you don't, get the res- you don't get the respite of death, buddy. Walk the earth forever, which is why a lot of people aren't even going to contest the story of, well, it must be. You want to mm-hmm. say he's the first. But what does that mean in the Ordo? If Dracula was the first, then what claim was he? Right, that's a huge point of contention amongst the uh, amongst the Ordo like uh, scholars. Right, and they've got a bunch of theories. Like he was he was beyond a clan, or he was embraced into one clan, but couldn't have children, and that his brides were of other ones. Or my mine is 
uh, my personal favorite one is that he was that first one. He is beyond a clan, or he is his own clan, and those that he embraced are, are something else, right? Something that isn't named yet. And we, I, I have, I have, in true Ordo fashion, I have evidence to back that up, which we will discuss a little bit later. <laughs> Brentron has evidence. I love it. Um, so, all right, so we get that, and you, you said something kind of tips his hand. So, there's, so Dracula's not going to be around to, to organize his own Ordo. You said there are brides, so that's a thing? Of course. Of course, everyone knows Dracula's brides, right? It's not just Bram Stoker that made him up. Um, I as hope he was. But really, you hoped it was. <laughs> well, you hope so. Let me tell you the concept of Dracula's brides, right? Um, it's sort of like, uh, how do I put this? It feels confining. Right, so he's cursed by God and becomes his entity. If you were mm-hmm. cursed by God, or if you were Cain, doesn't it make you special? If you were Dracula, doesn't it highlight that you're one of the cursed ones? Yeah, you're cursed by God, but you were cursed by God. Who else gets to make that distinction? There is a level of power to have the creator lick his thumb, walk, lean down and just wipe your essence. Mm-hmm. You don't get mm-hmm. to have that shiny... What's going on? You know, remove all that good. Get out of here. Now you are the way you should have been, you evil little shit. Move on. Right? What is that? Took away your death. You're going to live forever. You're going to eat only ashes. In other words, drink blood. Sun's going to burn you. Fire's going to suck. And stay away from everyone. Go after cursed people, you son of a bitch. Get out of here. Move on. Skedaddle. Right? But what we're talking about there, to an entity like the creator, that's no big deal. He rewrote you to where you, you, now you fit. Right now you are the way you are. You cause all that, yay, all that ruckus. Now we're going to make it to where it fits you, little ball of chaos. Move on. Some people are going to call the curse. Is that not an elevation? Yeah, actually, I think I think most Ordo would think that it is, right? Or at least it's, um, it's a change, one of the changes that they seek. So why would you make more of yourself? Because you have that power of creation, and that power of creation that the people you make now have, it stems from you. It power flows from you, and as we we've hammered this in across podcasts across multiple years, age is the single largest defining factor for a vampire, and every every member of the Ordo, it, they might not have been embraced through Dracula's line. Their power, their knowledge, because to Ordo, knowledge is power and measure of divinity that flows from Dracula and what he started and what his brides carried on and passed down. All right. So that establishes why Dracula did it. You said it right there, uh, that he could. Part of being cursed by God is, well, he already knows I'm a bad apple. (laughs) Hey, baby, why be alone when I could have you? By the way, does Dracula, does, does a bride of Dracula have to be male or female? Doesn't have to be anything. It's just a it's a title, right? Much the same way because it's all tradition. It's just something brought in there, and to be that is is an honor. And I think that's one of the things that I wanted to touch base upon is, sure, Dracula is the one to go ahead and do so. But what an honor to be of his lineage. What an honor to be touched by that level of divinity from his perspective, and to be given that ability to be under that command. I'm going to be dangerous here and point out to the fact that I think bride is a term of defiance. I think that's the first actual defiant title that you have here. Let me explain. Uh, The church invented the idea of marriage, right? That there can only be one person for you for the rest of your life and bound before God for all time. Why? Because they want you to beget children that are belong to the same religion, so on and so forth. And that's why hetero is hammered 
uh, into a lot of religious unions because they want more of themselves to be upon the earth. That's the point. Uh, be fruit flies and multiply, as the saying goes. And that's and you can't, right? Same-sex just doesn't do that unless it's through adoption or another means, and that gets sticky. We want the machine to self-work itself. That's the idea. I enjoy the fact Dracula sat by and said, I was, I was cursed by God. Yeah, then F the religion. Um, everyone's a bride to me that I choose to make of mine uh, because they're special enough. And a bride denotes the title. And to that end, and in particular the era it was done in, there was a lot of repression in that era and forced you will only this girl or this. Uh, age was the big sticky icky, right? How young was your bride? You know, which was denoted like uh, like amongst nobility. How lucky were you? Depends on how young she was. Was she of age to have that child? And all right, you get multiple chances to make that son, right? That heir to pass it on. Because really, in a time of titles and land, all that mattered was you having land throughout a lineage. And how far that could spread, right? We all know this. This went there. In fact, this is a tactic in history for many people to use it. Dracula, though, cursed says, I'm going to make this bride, and it could be male or female, and it only adds to the secrecy of the order that it was done. Because mm -hmm. if, if an outsider hears, oh, it's a bride of Dracula, they're looking, they're looking for a woman by default. They have no idea. Yet Dracula multiple times, in many interpretations, was somebody who never limited himself to a female at all. Right? Meaning that, sure, there were females, but there were equally males. I enjoyed the fact that Jonathan Harker was someone that was kept by Dracula, and even in the writing, you wonder if there was a a romance that was building in Dracula's heart, and he tried to get Harker and was angered he couldn't, and then gave it up. Right? There's a lot of ways of looking at it, that someone that old just doesn't have the patience. Like, if he could see that you're bound in your ways, he'll just find someone else. Why? You're an immortal. The whole world, this one person doesn't want... Get out of here. I'll crawl on the <laughs> castle wall and go to town and find someone who will. Right? And that's, that's just how... By the way, that means I'm going to use you for whatever purpose I decide at that point. I was going to try honey here. That's eh, not going to work. Well, now you get the stick. And we'll go from there. Because I can enforce you, if nothing else. And so the title of the bride, to me, was awesome. Because it's like, I defy your order, I defy your religion. It means what I say it is, and only those of me will understand that. And thus, that's like tier one secrecy. I dig it. But, in that tier one secrecy, the order sees that title as what? What does it mean to be that bride? You're, you're asking me? Okay. Uh, it may, It's someone that is following... Dracula's footsteps. It's following his teachings, what he was intended to do, pursuing his great work and spreading that. I think that is the biggest thing that those three original brides, I say original brides, those three brides started doing when they when they eventually left and then came back, right? They didn't just go off and do their that's, own thing. That's what I'm looking to hear. That there were three mm -hmm. original brides. Why only three and what was their purpose? That's what I'm looking for. The three brides each, they eat, everyone served their own, their own purpose. There was one that uh, really started pushing the, the actual experiments themselves, the pursuits themselves. And by the way, this is after, um, after Dracula left the Invictus, after he left the Lankaea, after he left the Crone. During his time, during his requiem, he went through these covenants, saw what they did, and rejected all of them. And along that journey, he picked up these different brides. So circling back to what I started this conversation off with, right? We had one bride that really uh, pushed and aided in that research who started making these coils. And from her teachings, from her role, from that bride came one of the first, or one of the three swarms. The Swarms of the Dying Light. Those are the ones that are the researchers, the actual philosophers and scientists. 
We had and another to break one. that down a little bit more, uh, just to kind of extrapolate on that. These these brides each had a purpose. You right when you choose your children, they each have to be unique for the most part. Unless you're creating a bloodline itself, and especially for someone like Dracula, he's already in the point of trying to defy people, so he's choosing three different brides. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one was uh, you have Mara, Anashka, and Lizette. And with Anashka, that's exactly what Brendan was talking about. She was very well into uh, pursuing the great work, which led to the Sworn of Dying Light. Mara's purpose was to protect the Order itself, and she was of the most violent type, and she was the Sworn of the Axe. So her tree went down that route, Her, or the, those followers. And then lastly was Lizette, who was the one who kind of contributed towards um, the Sworn of the Mysteries, which whose purpose is to make sure that the Order continues whichever way it has to, we got to find a way to survive and how it's going to lead into the centuries. That was her purpose. And when Dracula went to ground, he, much like any parent, and we see this folly all the time, he's like, I'm going to bed. Don't you kids do anything crazy now, you <laughs> hear? And that's when shit hits the fan because three, three sisters can't get along. Well, right. They, they each have a specific purpose and they all choose to, to enact their will in different ways. Well, as Benjamin was saying, proof of the Invictus, he built a dynasty. Exactly. He was still, let's not forget the term Voivode is not something the Zemis made up. Voivode is what Vlad Tepes was called in life because that is a phrase that means warlord. He is a warrior and nobility. And just because he died and was cursed by God doesn't mean that ended. Right, it's a regional title. It came from the mortal side of mm -hmm. his own people, right, where, where that's at. And uh, that's the... That's the importance of it, and it was just adopted in. Because, well, I wouldn't even say adopted in. It just makes sense. It'd be like your eyes saying that's, uh, if you're American, you have a president, right? Uh, but mm -hmm. if you're in the UK, you have a queen. It, of course you do. Right? That's what we know it to be. It wouldn't change, and so he didn't change it. And neither did the brides, for that matter, the initial three. Um, but I was more curious, is there only ever three brides? I mean this because you may be thinking, well, duh, because how does one marry Dracula? And I was like, well, I'm curious. Like, because if it's a denoted title within the Ordo, if it's a title, I can have it. Right? Does Isn't, isn't that how it works, that I could be opted in? Couldn't I earn high enough to be considered that bride? Or no? I see Brentron's eyes. I, I, yeah, I, I'm honestly, like, blanking on that title being used beyond those three. Am I wrong? Have oh, I no. forgotten? No, you're not. I you're don't, not I don't... Okay. All I'm right. talking to you. Right, we're talking. I'm talking to you because this is where my no. brain was. It was something that naturally goes there. Because you see the one through nine titles and the architect and the coil and all okay, that other yeah. stuff. And I, like, I'm, well, I'm following it now. Well, if the brides are the head of the Ordo, and that's it, and there's only three, and plus Dracula, wherever he is, why is there any doubt that Dracula exists if these brides exist? So these saying? three brides, it, they're, uh, it's not a title you would you would ever attain because of their their significance to it. We stated we've beaten over the head. This entire covenant descends from Dracula. Dracula did not spread it. That was the work of his brides who continued his work after he went Pause. to ground. And because of that, I think Dracula's bullshit. Yeah, it's complete bullshit. You have three women mm -hmm. who latched onto a story because it's a bullshit story. And if you think about it, oh, so Dracula was cursed by God. We know when Dracula existed. We know. And we know he was cursed by God. So he, And we also know there was Roman vampires, so Dracula came much later. And so right. now he's cursed by God and trips through all these covenants, and they were like, oh, I guess he's chosen by God to bear the curse here. We don't know. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. And Dracula's like, here are my three brides. Wake. Shake in fear. Whatever you want to say. And here it is. And all these orders were like, all right. All these covenants were like, well, I guess that's cool. They got a dynasty over here. And Invictus was like, oh, you're leaving, Drac? I guess that's all right. You were cursed by God. Go ahead. 
mm-hmm. and then set back all these and then these brides come up and they're like we're in charge of the new ordo the new covenants here <laughs> and everyone else in night society just let them form now, so all right so i'm gonna hit on that for a second so everyone else in the night society did not just let them form Right. They during the infancy of the Ordo, they were hounded. They were hounded by the Lankea because the Ordo are across the board heretics. Every last one because they defy God. They defy that role that the Lankea say you are here as a beast of God to do his work in hell. The Invictus hated the Ordo because there was a certain book published around the time that they were really uh-huh. starting to spread that everyone everyone was mad got published, which we all know was called Dracula. And there were a lot of heads turned like this. We'll just always refer to that as the hand wave tongue in cheek from the creators. Because we all love it. (laughs) We all love it. It had to be done. We know it had to be there. But we all uh, love it. I loved it. I I absolutely did. Like that that was like the Invictus really just didn't like them because they're in their power base. But then there was the single largest masquerade breach of all time that happened. And then like no one, but nothing actually happened because I thought it was fake. They were like, I, oh, I loved it. Because I could it's, imagine all the Invictus at the time getting so angry. But they're like, well, nothing really happened. Yeah, but they still did it. It's the same thing they did in, in 20, right? In, in Vampire Masquerade, it's the same thing. You know, when Dracula came about, it's a real figure, he's there. And why you can't get rid of him is because this is why you have a vampire game. Yeah, Dracula exactly. is the most famous story. We're not going to leave the we're not going to leave our poster child out of the story, right? Is how it goes. I like how the Ordo did it, right? So the Invictus mm-hmm. though is also a head nod toward that other product line, right? Because the Invictus is, uh, well, I would say a more defined personal version of what the Camarilla espoused, right? And that's and that's cool. So okay, so that was a book. Shame on you, Bram Stoker. Mm-hmm. Got it. Then we had one because um, how dare you defy God? And that's the perspective of Lankia. What about the Carthians? They have a problem with the them who? coming up? So the Carthians... Carthi- oh, go ahead, DJ. I don't mean to see no, your I was about to say, it's literally the who, because they didn't give a shit. It's not like they have to really worry about anything. If anything, prior to the book, we could definitely tell you that the Invictus and Lankia didn't want it, because much as we've spoken to you before, especially during Nomads, People, they would rather fight amongst each other because you know who your enemy is. But when someone new comes to the block, you're like, I don't know this guy. And then they're taking over our power base and or feeding on people in my city. Nah, we, we can't have that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just that's just being practical. Let's just call it. It's just literally practical. Like, I'm not giving you my lunch. <laughs> Me and him are sharing. That's it. You scram. And that's the way it was in the beginning. And that should happen to any. You know, that's the hardest part about creating a covenant because you could create any covenant you want to in Requiem. Well, only the big five hold on to the biggest parts of the cheese because they're that big. And mm-hmm. this is the reason why. New kid comes on the block, time to rub them out. I'm, I, we don't have time for you. But I'm curious about that last big piece, though. And I maybe Burn Tron could shed some light on it. I'll give you a crack because it's your passion, right? And we're talking about, you got that crone. You got that mm-hmm. circle of the crone. How is Ordo Dracul not just a branch of the circle of the crone? Because look at their origin myth. You believe in this mythical figure coming up in a nowhere cursed by God. Well, so was Lilith. You have your three Cronings in various stages as being the fates right there. That was enfolded in. How was Drac not just thrown in as a as a lesson for like you could fold that story? And... It, Sorry, it's actually it's actually pretty easy. Although that is a that's a valid question, right? It does seem that there are similarities between them. It's because there is fundamentally the circle of the crone is about serving something external. What their their special sauce that every covenant has. Right, their blood sorcery is all about external forces, and it is it is knowledge. Now we talked about before with the dragons, with the divine always seek is knowledge. That is their measure of divinity. 
why wouldn't they go after that? Because to the Defiant, their god is themselves across the board. They don't care about Lilith. They don't care about God because they are twisting and defying and breaking the curse that they have. Their the special sauce, their, their coils, I, I think we've already said this before, but I'm going to say it again because I love what they are. They're not, they're not magic rituals that they just like enact. Right? They don't in they don't say incantations. What they do is they crawl into a cocoon and make fundamental, irrevocable changes to themselves to become something greater. So cool. Cool story, bro. But no matter what, you have to admit that if the the uh what is it, the daughter, the the matriarch and the uh the mother, those are all three aspects of the crone. Mm-hmm. Right? They're they're all there. You have three brides. They're all. Oh women. yeah. Oh, absolutely. You, you don't think that this was? I guarantee you, somewhere in some book written, we ain't got to yet. We're gonna see where this alludes to it because the people who wrote this stuff are too bright uh, to miss this on mm-hmm. the floor. I'm positive that somewhere yeah. we're gonna allude to the fact that this was uh, something that got rekindled. I.e., a, a society tried to come out that maybe defied the order of the crone and went a different direction so strong that they lost. I.e., mm-hmm. the crone won. This ordo, when it originally tried, had to go to ground. Because it is the most tightly secured in secrecy. Why are they so tightly secured where the Lankea is open, the Invictus is wide open, and you have the Carthians? They give out flyers. Mm-hmm. Right? You know what I mean? But this is the one where it's like, man, don't tell anybody. What are we? We're weirdo of the order of the weird, of the night of the who cares. Like, don't Yeah, it's because most people wanted to kill them. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. We, we asked, like, what do the Carthians and the Ordo have against each other? They don't. Actually, both of those covenants are about change. It just changed different directions. The Circle of the Crone also wanted to kill the Ordo when they started, because remember how I said Dracula went from the Invictus and then left him, went to the Lankea and left him? Uh-huh. He did the same thing to the Circle of the Crone. According to that story, he took Kruak and Theban Sorcery with him when he left both. Yeah, it sounds like a load of shit. Yeah, right? it because does, doesn't you're it? talking about somebody running around being Loki. Do you get what I'm saying? In another uh-huh. religious perspective. Running through, stealing secrets, becoming this person. And then conveniently, you're the only three people that ever met him, and you call yourself brides. You're a dynasty that created power. Now, that's just me being Ordo Dracul about it. I'm taking the mysticism, that I'm taking the piss right out of what you say you are. To, mm-hmm. to make this why it's such an interesting Ordo to even be a part of. Because you would be expected to do this. You know, I would be encouraged to see it through. Find your evidence, right? Yeah. But this is why it's a cult. Find my evidence. You know damn well this leads nowhere. It's going to lead me to some ancient... I'm going to find Mara's what's going to happen. And then I'm going to be in real trouble. Or, or you're going to find something a little bit worse. So I'm going to segue into something I talked about before. My evidence. And I'm double whamming you. Because I'm also talking about my favorite bloodline. Because I want to talk about it. All right, are you ready? I don't have a choice. So, you just hijack No, you don't. You don't. I did hijack it. <laughs> so, the greatest bloodline in this book is called the Morai. And if you are a Cambro or have even the smallest amount of Cambro in, in your system, this is going to be the bloodline you like. Because this is a bloodline of both Gangrel and Nosferatu. These guys got vigor. These guys got resilience. And they got obfuscate. Hard to beat, right? But what are they about and why are they in this book? They were bloodlines of predators inside of Romania. And in the history of the bloodlines, hundreds of years ago when Dracula was first starting his journey, he came across their village. And instead of fighting each other, they got to know each other. They got to talk and they found that he was a man of honor. 
someone that they respected and they lauded his pursuit. Well, he left and they stayed behind. Centuries later, they go back and they hear about the children of the dragon, the Ordo Dracul that's starting, right? And we talked about how at least three other covenants tried to stamp them out. There was a time when they were first starting, the Ordo Dracul were being killed whenever they popped up. This bloodline said, no, not these children of the dragon. And then there's this mythology that's described about a series called the Spider Killings, where enemies of the Ordo Dracul, they wouldn't just die. They would have their mortal influences, those strings that they pull cut, their touchstones, their ghouls would be killed, until finally those vampires themselves are killed and their ashes arranged in a spider pattern. And then that scared everyone away from the Ordo. So, centuries go by. Ordo Dracul is standing up on its own two legs at this point, and the, this bloodline reaches a turning point. They're not needed anymore. What they've spent their requiems doing, the, the dragons already have their guardians. Some of them kill themselves in despair, right? But others say, no, we protected them in their infancy, we'll join them now. And they step out and join this, like, um, well, this secret society when they were already in the shadows. Mm -hmm. And with them, with their stories, they say, this is why we're here. We are proof that the dragon did exist and walk. Hmm. So, so, what we have here is another stretch. Now, I'm not saying this is bad, because it does tie an origin in. I mean, this is what people look for. This is exactly mm -hmm. what's here. But they're more qualified to have a title of bride come out of them than anyone else. Or at least to verify they're the power behind the brides in the Ordo. Can we say mm -hmm. it that way? But that's what goes I, I would say so, yeah. Right? Because uh, they, they could verify it there, because that, that's what handed there. And I actually like how you said that. You would find them more fearful. I'm glad that got aired out and pieced together. When I read those guys, I honestly took it as just another, okay, we're here, it's a cool story. Yeah, you met Dracula, so you say. But look what you did. <laughs> all right, cool, that's cute. And all right, you did all the other stuff. Oh, the way you said it with that passion and conviction, I'm going to give that the 25-year stamp. I like that story a lot better. Uh, and it sits a lot better. Right, because it backs up what they're talking about. Because nowhere did they said Dracula was the first vampire. He was the origin of all vampires. Never said that. Right, no. They just said he was special. That's what they're saying. He's special and look what he does. Also, I'm going to point out the coils now. Like, if we can. Let's go into coils because yeah, of time. But let's go into coils because when you look at this, a lot of people think of coil as a, as a burner coil or something that superheats up and everything else because you're modern thinking. And what they're referring as coil is the analogy of a, of a dragon slowly turning around a cup if it helps you, right? And mm -hmm. each turn is another length of the dragon, right? So a young dragon's very small. We'll just put it that way. It's young. But the more it learns, the longer it gets, the more it goes, the more it's coiling around the earth. Whatever you want. The Ouroboros is what we're referring to no matter what you want to talk about is what it is. And the more learned, more circles, right? If that helps you. More coils. Now... That's the analogy of it, and a coil denotes rank and power and significance, but the significance you already laid down was the fact that it does something to eliminate the actual banes of being a vampire. Now, you mentioned that every time you learn a coil, there's, you mentioned a ritual. You said there isn't, you said there's a change, but we know there has to be a ritual. Right, ritual, uh, I, I believe in order, we'll call it a specific scientific process. Right, that is quantified and repeatable for for those that haven't already gone through it anyway. But yes, any, any so what's your? Would. Yeah, any <laughs> right? if you if you follow a formula, this would be exactly you're done. 
but we can call that a scientific process as well. Sorry, please continue. All right, all right, all right, all right. So what we're talking about here, folks, is the chrysalis. And we're not talking like you're going to emerge as a beautiful butterfly, unless you're a very weird ordo. <laughs> but um, <laughs> anyway, the, the state of a chrysalis is not just a physical state that the defiant inner it's also mental and spiritual it is the the point where though you are stuck as this stagnant non-changing thing you are pushing yourself forcing yourself to a point where you can be changed this is done slowly over time by small rituals or actually they liken it more to like you know martial arts katas right like you're going through chen style tai chi moveset 18 right okay. you might be branding yourself you might be adding tattoos, you might be uh, getting piercings, and then willing those to stay because we've not talked about this on the podcast before. While you are a stagnant creature, vampires can change their bodies and it's not easy, right? It takes a, a concentrated force of will to will any change you have to stick okay. as it is. Then let's, let's hold there because now that we got that idea in our heads, let's, let's pick an example. Let's pick a coil you both are comfortable talking about. Uh, Ascendant, the worm. Either of those are good. DJ. DJ. Now, I'm more about the, the, the beast itself, because that one's an easy one. Right, that that seems okay. something that everybody can get behind. Everybody understands the mm -hmm. beast, right? Playing Masquerade forever, you understand the beast, and even a Requiem or even V5, you get the beast. So I'm going to use this as a universal. Is that okay, Brentron? For sure, for sure. You comfortable with that? All right. Uh, so DJ, Brentron, what is the coil of the beast? The Coil of the Beast um, is essentially based off of being able to control that which is inside of you, right? Which is the beast. At the earliest level, being able to at least control the first part is to shake off frenzy as if you are the one that shackles the beast within. As, as, it, as it is, the way it's always explained and the way you always have to imagine it is, it's that duality within you that starts to creep up. And sometimes it's that dark rage that you can't hold back. And sometimes you willingly give into it. However knowing the first coil of, of the beast is to literally push it right back in its cage through your own sheer will. It's like having that thing of like, should I have pizza today? And you take a look at that slice and you're like, nah, I don't need it. Right. In any other situation, or even taking a look at a scrumptious mortal, it's the fact that you've already obtained mastery over that part of yourself that you could turn it off. So denial is the first lesson. Yes. Denying that which you are. Now, Brentron says a chrysalis, and I like that term that they use, and, uh, and I like the explanation, so we're going to piece that together. So from what you just said, a coil of the beast, the first one, it's to deny yourself, to learn how to deny the beast when it wants to jump out that cage. Jump out from within and take over it. But to get there, would it not be a series of tests that I have to put myself through? A repeated effort and process to eventually hit this level of will to know the limits that I can go to to exhaust myself in resisting that inner urge. Would that not make sense? Yes, I would say it is, and uh, I'm going to quote one of my favorite characters ever, Magneto. It is not until you push past your own limits that you would, um, if you never pushed yourself to your limits, you would make the mistake of believing you had them. Right. I like that. It's beautifully put. And so, I think that explains the coils, right? You got them of the blood, mm -hmm. you used to, like the wyvern and everything else, and I, I'm only going through because I know time, we are we actually past yeah. time here a little bit, um, but I do know... All this is enfolded in this book to describe it in detail, mm -hmm. right? So you better understand, in addition, obviously, to your to your Requiem book, of course, look at Coils directly. Mm -hmm. uh, but we don't want to take away the in-depth story. Nuance is the key to Requiem. Explanation is the key to Requiem. 
it's important that people feel what they're playing and understand the origins, or at least the origin story in the case of the Ordos, or the Ordo uh, Dracul here, that you have to prop up to at least understand what you're playing and portray it well. Um, in this, we can all universally get behind what anyone is playing when they're playing in Order of the Dragon, uh, which mm-hmm. is which how it goes, a defiant, if you will. Um, any last thing? There's a ton that we didn't get into, into minutia, but I think this discussion more than highlights the importance of this book, if you're going to play this I, Ordo. I agree 100%. Only, only parting shot I'm going to make is that... Uh, uh, <laughs> the the process of learning a coil is not even as simple as we've made it sound, and we did not make it sound simple at all. There is the concept of the worm nest you need, places of power that are needed to process to process through those coils, but um, we got to leave something for people to actually read. Okay, you so. open that door. I'm allow that door to be open a little bit. Let's extend okay, that a little right. bit because it's all because right. I, I would scream at you, "What's a worm nest?" And to me, I was like, "Duh, that should be explained." It's what they do. Uh, but we're gonna be we're gonna be fair here. You and I had a lot of this, a lot of the pie here. DJ worm nest. What is that? Worm nest essentially is it's it's one of those things where if you are looking at the dragon. To define the dragon as the order look at it, and especially in a figurative type of way, it's power, right? The dragon is power, no matter what it is. So to speak of the worm's nest is to find a location of power. It could take many situations. It could be a holy place. It could be a religious place. Anything in which resonance in the same way that you would think of werewolves or and you think of mage uh, congregates and or pulls up, haunted houses, etc. Why this is important? Because those resonances are something that vampires could cling on to mortals cling on to it's something that you could pull from and the esoteric will definitely be taking a look into it and knowing that the coils are a piece of fundamental change within you you use them like tuning forks or at least that's what they believe and that that leads down a, a separate hole but that is that uh, the importance of wormness is especially because of that because we know vampires know ghosts are real these things do exist it's a matter of can i make use of it and they have eternity to take a look for it so and here's why I wanted you to explain it, because knowing that, I want everyone to get in their head and imagine this. So if I'm getting close to mastering a coil, I have to take all my research and, and encapsulate it, right? Everything I've done, and I have to find a worm nest to enter in this cocoon-like state to then step out of it. I need a place to res- to, for, for this to, to convalesce, to allow this ascension, mm. if you will, to allow that coil to develop. And so that relationship's important. I've played with Order Dracul before. I've played a bit with the material a little bit. Nothing was more disheartening than than watching people treat it as a simple ritual they learned. And they went home and performed it. When what we're talking about is becoming, is evolving past the vampiric condition itself. I gotta add something. Uh, I'm gonna steal this from you this time. I'm gonna hold the new hostage because it is important. My takeaway from this, and it's very, like, what I want to get to is this... The Ordo is those specifically looking for enlightenment, but also bullshitters. Because this is a secret society and everyone wants to fucking belong. Here's where we come into the difference, right? One thing that we didn't mention that we should is the dragon as a metaphor, as a figurative thing, is very important. Why? Because one of the lessons they teach is everything has a purpose for existing in its own way. And you have to figure out how to break that chain. The only way to do it is to chase the dragon's tail. Chasing the dragon's tail is watching a mortal and watch what happens when they go missing, when they die, when something happens in their life and how you had an impact or you follow it all the way through. What happens as their life starts to fall apart? Was there any change? Did you affect that change? Yes or no. And from that, you should be able to glean notes to go like, I understand, right? This sounds almost like path of metamorphosis to a certain degree where you're taking a look like, what is my change? From an observer type of view, you're right. But I'm saying like, that's something from the perspective of someone following the great work. On the other hand, these tests that these folks have to go through in order to prove that they have the 
the actual bane, how do you know they actually happened? You don't. Because you could try to say you have a very strong willpower and just bit your tongue as you were trying to resist frenzy while they're trying to coax it out of you. And that's where the charlatan part happens. Just because you say you have a rank or because you're part of a secret society does not mean you're on your way up. And that's where the duality of, of being within this this covenant becomes very interesting and playful. Uh, and I think that's also an exciting part of the gameplay itself. And you, and you open up that depth, right? Talking about how you would observe a mortal to figure it out. Um, they take you from the basics on up. Right, and that's what mm-hmm. I like about it. there is a scientific meets occult pursuit that is applied here, and they do paint by the numbers, folks. It's something everyone always asks for. How do I? How do I portray? And they wrote the book on how to do it, but you gotta read it to get it. If you're listening to this podcast, we wet your whistle. We prepared you an appetizer. We hope you enjoyed it. In order for you to get the meal, though, and to sate that hunger, get the book. Join the few people. We 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 have a ring in the order, Jack Cool is what we're saying here at 25 years. And uh, we earned <laughs> our ring. We want you to earn yours too and understand. And as always, reach out with questions about this um, or of werewolf uh, retaliation. Reach out. Let us know. We'll direct you in the right spot. And uh, once again, um, thank you everyone for listening. Um, Bruntron. Thank you, everyone. Do you see what I did right there? It was so awesome. It's getting almost padlocked. He nodded to the camera. Yeah, that was I, the best I did. part. Like, he, I, the like, he was like, Brentron, and I was like, yep. Oh, they can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. DJ, thank you, my friend, as always. Of course, pleasure. And we'll catch you next time. Remember, we got coming up next. What's the next werewolf book we got? Because that's the next one in the queue next week. Monkey Wrench? Pentex Monkey Wrench? It might be Pentex Monkey Wrench. I believe we got that coming up. Um, naturally, we'll tell you. You guys will listen. You know what's going to be anyway. Uh, but... There you go. Um, Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll catch up with you next time. Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 years of VTM at our email info at 25 years VTM.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25 years VTM or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com If you would like to support us, we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade.